Get a balanced analysis on both domestic and international topics within the framework of cross-cultural comparisons. This is Dialogue. Hello and welcome to Dialogue. Commonly considered the father of modern Chinese literature, Lu Xun is regarded as one of China's greatest writers of the 20th century. Known for his satiric observations of early 20th century Chinese society, Lu Xun is celebrated as a pioneer of modern vernacular Chinese literature and was one of the most important thinkers of his time. As more than 80 years has passed since Lu Xun's death, the question remains, is Lu Xun still relevant today? What was the strength of his writing and essays? And how shall we understand the essence of the Lu Xun spirit? Join us for our discussion today from Beijing. I'm Xu Qinduo. Joining me today is Zhang Xudong, Professor of Comparative Literature and East Asian Studies at New York University. Professor Zhang has published a trilogy of Lu Xun's works. Welcome to Dialogue, uh, Professor Zhang. Glad to be here. Well, you know, before we discuss your critique of uh, Lu Xun's works, of course, this, uh, could you please tell us you know, why it's still important today to read Lu Xun, to study Lu Xun? It's a big question, but we could start with uh, uh, the question of modern China. I think modern China is still very young, uh, very new uh, in terms of society, in terms of politics, you know, everything. And modern China as a project, as an ongoing project, I think is to a great extent still crystallized in Lucian's work. I think Lucian uh, embodies the moral dimensions of modern China. Uh, as long as modern China is still on the way, Lucian remains a, a contemporary issue, not a historical figure, but a radically contemporary one. And the second uh, is this uh, uh, modern Chinese literature as what we know as the new literature, right? The vernacular literature is also very young, slightly over a century compared to European, modern, modern European languages and literatures. And if, it start, uh, let's start with Dante. I mean, we are looking at 500, more than 500 years of, a, of history, of reception, and a popularization in modern Chinese literature in terms of language, in terms of sentences, sentence patterns, in terms of grammar, in terms of structure, narrative, skills, forms, uh, is still very, very young. And Lucian as the, the uh, pioneer figure, the, or the embodiment of the origin of modern Chinese literature, uh, is, that still stands as a reminder that uh, the new literature is still very new, very young, it's still on the way. So a lot of the problems, challenges, and also the accomplishments can be traced back to Lucian, not as a fully canonized figure, but as the most radical experiment, the most daring effort at creating this new literature uh, from nothingness. So that's the, uh, the second point of a uh, of, uh, of relevance. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if I may, I may add, I think, uh, uh, like my friend Yu Hua has pointed out, Lucian's times remain our own. A lot of the problems he, he attacked, uh, he addressed, remain our own problems. We still, while reading Lucian, we 
in a sense, he, uh, we, we, we feel he's sort of a dated uh, writing from 100 years ago. But in a more important way, reading Lu gives us a sense of deja vu. A lot of the things are so similar, uh, so identical. Uh, interesting. I wonder, you know, what uh, does Lucian mean to you? You know, you said in a previous interview, uh, I quote here, basically Lucian is like a vaccine in the body of your uh, generation. Uh, his works are common memory. Uh, so how so, you know, tell us more about that. Yeah, the common memory part is easy. Uh, he was, the he wrote the first uh, vernacular language short story, right? Diary of the Madman. You know, he was uh, he was an instantaneous uh, celebrity, a hit, more than a hundred years ago. Then uh, uh, you know, he already became an icon of new literature of Chinese Enlightenment. The younger generation readers all grew up reading him, and so on and so forth. He was already a a, a moral authority. Uh, the, the soul of the nation, right? That's the, yeah. that's the flag covering his, his body at his funeral uh, in the year of 1936. During the, uh, in, 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 new, in the socialist China, uh, actually well before that, during the Yan'an era, Mao's famous Yan'an talk, right, identifies Lu Xun as the, the, the banner of Chinese new literature. So Lu Xun's direction is the direction of Chinese new culture, right? So he was fully appropriated and further canonized in the leftist tradition, in the socialist tradition. I, I would describe it as a sort of incidental force feeding. Like it or not, you must have encountered Lu Xun somehow. So many uh, writers told me personally that the Lu Xun was uh, for a long time, their most hated writer because they they start reading Lucian without understanding him, right? They started Lucian uh, while their main interest was in reading uh, foreign literature or classical literature. So that's the common kind of uh, reception, common memory part. The vaccine uh, uh, metaphor, let's call it that, I think points to the, a basic fact that we as modern Chinese men and women, we all contracted this virus called the modern. It's this ancient or traditional Chinese body. We all got sick in a sense, right? It could be an inspiration, it could be an ideal, but it's a vaccine. It's an alien body, right? It's an alien sort of a DNA, a genetic code attacking your body. So the, I think the virus, first and foremost, is the external uh, impact of the modern world. Whereas Lu Xun, the second, the vaccine attacking that virus is not to attack this virus, but to help us grow some kind of an internal immune system to grow along with this virus, to be stronger, uh, to be more vital, to uh, live a more enriched life, an enlarged life, rather than sort of holding on to your old self, which is bound to be vulnerable, right? Uh, so this vaccine makes us stronger. And I would call this vaccine a radical nihilism, just not believing in anything uh, inherited, accepting the new, welcoming the new, welcoming all kinds of challenges, just affirming life as such, uh, by negating the old. That's an 
can we say that's the spirit of Lushen? Um, or, you know, that's the, uh, say, the spirit people inherited from Lushen or Lushen, you know, which in turn, of course, gave people the strength, you know, serving almost like a, like a vaccine, you know, against the virus, against this, uh, yeah. Back to the common mem uh, memory part, you know, do you think this common memory uh, shared by the younger generation now in China? To some extent, I would say yes, but the younger generation also have access to uh, to all kinds of you know, literary, philosophical, intellectual uh, uh, materials. The solution must now compete with other uh, uh, influences, you know, sources of influence, other sources of inspiration. He was no longer the unquestioned, sort of a given, right, moral authority. So I think it's a good thing because that allows Lucian to be uh, reread uh, uh, in the context of world literature, in the context of modern Chinese intellectual history, and most importantly, in the context of literature as such. Lucian was always misread or misunderstood. I think Lucian is, to, to push my argument to the extreme, I think Lucian as a book is a closed book before it has ever been read. <laughs> uh, so this, um, the first superficial or institutionalized reading uh, tends to serve as a, I mean, could be some, something counterproductive. Now with uh, Lucian somewhat marginalized or uh, sort of pushed off uh, the center stage. Uh, I think Lucian has a great opportunity to be read all over again, freshly, as a writer, first and foremost, as the inventor of modern Chinese literature. Again, in the context of world literature, in the context of literature as such, and in the context of modern China. Mm. Well, you know, young people, at least some of them, moved to say, you know, Lucian, uh, at that time, he was too harsh. Uh, if you read his uh, essays, his um, even novels, and then uh, you mentioned about you know misunderstanding or uh, Tell us more about that. You know any example like e e especially today, you know, for the young generation when they read Lucian. Yes. That's highly understand uh, and uh, understandable uh, because Lucian it could be harsh, could be mean, could be very aggressive in uh, attacking his uh, opponents in uh, critiquing his environment, we all know that. And for the younger generation uh, readers who grew up in a uh, relatively comfortable, easy environment, yeah, of course they uh, take for granted this, uh, you know, this emotional balance, some kind of decency, right? Uh, gentleness and, and so on and so forth. But above all, the, there is this concept of a pure literature. Literature is literature, art for art's own sake. That, I mean, it's a very understandable aesthetic taste, a very diversified, very refined, gent more genteel than the older generation who grew up in this highly overly politicized environment. All reasonable. However, I think uh, uh, the so-called harshness or meanness of Lucian literature must be understood in the immediate context in which Lucian wrote, produced his literature. I think uh, a lot of the harsh languages, if you read closely, you realize it's borrowed from his opponents. Those nasty labels attached to him by his critics. It's not a one-way. No, not, it's a two-way traffic. <laughs> and oftentimes Lucian uh, turned the table by 
appropriating these nasty labels attached to him to apply to their enemies or to say, yes, guilty as charged. Nonetheless, here is what I'm doing. And I'm very proud of being, for instance, he was accused of being a harsh translator, too hard, too blunt, too mechanical, too difficult, dead translation. That's his uh, enemy uh, described his translation. He said, well, it is difficult because the difficulty comes from the effort, the, the strenuousness with which the Chinese, the progressive Chinese, try to appropriate new ideas. We're willing to pay the price. We're willing to work hard. We're willing to do violence to our own language in order to reform it. We do not see comfort in this you know, scholar, literati, Star of reading <laughs> leisurely with a cup of tea in the afternoon in your private garden. <laughs> no, we are trying to change the world. It's a life and death matter. Therefore, what you described difficult, difficult for us is the norm. It's, it might be too difficult for you. So be it. <laughs> so be it. I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care how hard you know you you feel this this whole thing might be because it's not it. This is what we do. It's not your cup of tea, and that's fine. So it's just one example of uh, Lu Xun's being harsh or being mean. Uh, but more importantly, let me uh, uh, stress this point. The harshness and the meanness is the armor Lu Xun as a writer put on himself, put on his style, because he realized that he was dealing with such a harsh and a mean environment. So therefore, you must develop this kind of a mechanism, which not only to withstand the external impact, this constant assault on you, right? On your soul, on your peace of mind, on your you know, uh, sense of human decency, but also to prepare a kind of uh, uh, inner strength structurally in order to uh, stand in, to stay in this fight for the long term. So this is why Lucian's uh, literature gives rise uh, to this perception that it's so uh, hardened from within. But that's what it takes <laughs> <That's a solution. laughs> to stay in the fight for the yeah. long run, not for today, but for tomorrow and forever. Forever. So, yeah. yeah. Well, your trilogy of Lu Xun's works, you know, um, uh, briefly introduce uh, to our viewers, you know, uh, you know, how, like you spend a lot of time writing and studying Lu Xun. Uh, tell us, you know, what prompted you to work on this trilogy of Lu Xun's works? And uh, so it's a trilogy. So the first volume, which is uh, already uh, finished and published uh, last year, is called uh, "Becoming Conscious of Zawen of Lu Xun's Essay," right? Zawen means... Uh, the know. essay, but it's not the essay in general. But the essay, Za means diverse, you know, multiple, miscellaneous, sundry, everything thrown together. It's called Za, right? Lucian has a better definition of Za. He says it must be uh, understood chronologically. So every year I collect all my writings in one volume, name it, for instance, the book under inauspicious star, the book of bad luck. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the essay collection uh, produced in uh, the, the collection of essays produced in the year 1925. Uh, from that volume onward, 
in theory, he produced a volume of essays every single year. But if you look more closely, this collection contains Belles-Lettres, the beautiful essays, right, in the poetic, you know, uh, stylic tradition, personal memoir, uh, uh, political commentary, debates, translations, somewhat scholarly essays, uh, the personal essay on the one hand, and those uh, historical, political uh, essays on the other, satirical, ironical, but some of them are deeply lyrical, poetic, you know, tragic, musical even. So it's all these uh, mixed styles, I think, define Lucian's Zawen. And he defines, uh, uh, qualifies it as, uh, uh, as this. Uh, it's chronologically defined uh, with the basic unit, the basic unit organization, this, this, this calendar year is the, the mechanical, sort of the, uh, the measure or the unit. Within this time frame, everything is considered literature. So it's literature, I think, defined in terms of writing, going back to the essence of literature, mm. without being bogged down by these more or less artificial or uh, professional category as you know, fiction, non-fiction, a novel, right. or the drama, <laughs> lyrical poetry, the personal essay, and so on and so forth. He said everything. As long as I write, I'm a writer. The writerly stuff is literature, and that conforms to the great Chinese literary tradition, right? Yes. Classical Chinese literature actually is defined by one, right, writing. Yeah, one, yeah. Literature with capitalized L, but without internal divisions, historiography or philosophy or poetry. I mean, you cannot make the distinction. Right? We don't care. That's we just, true. as long that as you true. read, you yeah. enjoy it, that's mm -hmm. literature. So, but on the other hand, the Sawan also speaks to the great modern, modern style or genre called the essay. Many critics in the world consider, for instance, Michel de Montaigne, the, you know, his essays, the finest literature, right? It's like if you like, say, as a music lover, you say, oh, I enjoy music, opera. Everybody enjoys music. It's a popular genre, right? Yeah. Everybody enjoys musical. But if you say, I'm a dead fan of, of chamber music, of string quartets, of piano trills, people say, well, maybe you know something about literature. <laughs> this kind of a, a more, um, not refined, but a, kind of a more um, concentrated, the more self-conscious, more writerly style of writing is Lucien's uh, yeah, Zawin. You would say uh, you know, Lucien's most important achievement is, um, is the essays in the Zawin rather than his, uh, like, uh, 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 say, novels. Absolutely. It's it, it might sound counterintuitive counter because most people, you know, unthinkingly regard Lucian's short stories right. as the crown jewel right, right. of Lucian's writing uh -huh. of modern Chinese literature. Not so, because uh, the essay uh, for Lucian marks a higher uh, level of writerly sophistication, of personal engagement, of political uh, energy, of stylistic intensity, everything. It's a far more mature and a deliberate and a sustainable mode of uh, literary production for Lucian. 
And uh, let me add one more point, which I think is central to our, our understanding of Lucian's Zavan uh, or essay production. It's not one particular style next to other choices and options. It's one comprehensive, holistic approach to literature as such. It's just writing. Therefore, Lucius S. Zawin, uh, if you read line by line, word for word, you realize this moment you enter the fictional space. Mm -hmm. The next moment, the next sentence, even the next word, the next image is highly dramatic. Then the next paragraph feels, reads like history. It has a narrative structure, it has a very uh, uh, convoluted design, temporality, space, representation. In other words, Zawin is everything thrown into this space of writing. That's called Zawin. It's one style that stands out as the style of all styles. So I call it the mixed style approach. So the personal essay tradition as part of world literature, starting with Michel de Montaigne, but within modern China, within the tradition of Chinese literature, it goes all the way to our classics, right? Further in, you know, here's another quote from your, your books here. We understand the revolution as the highest form of modernity and Chinese new literature as a means of the expression of modernity. Uh, we can then understand the literary theory and the practice of the great revolutionary era of Lucian, Lucian and the revolution. What is the relationship? You know, of course, it serves as the background, large background. You know, we talked about the life and death matter. This is a revolution. I would say that Lucian's uh, uh, primary concern is not revolution, mm. but literature, or put more precisely, literary revolution. Not revolutionary literature. In the, okay. Lucian was never into revolution, revolutionary literature. Mm -hmm. He actually wrote about it. He gave lectures talking about revolutionary, revolutionary literature as a false category. There's no such thing. Because whenever there's a revolution, there's no literature. Everybody <laughs> joins the revolution, right? Everybody's busy no time with for literature. changing the world. Who cares about literature? <laughs> and we are too poor, too busy. You know, too fearful, too desperate, too breathless. Mm -hmm. So literature is, is pushed aside, you know, uh, 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 disappearing into the background, right? There's only one kind of a viable literature that happens to be the classes to be buried. They are singing the swan songs of an ode. That's good literature. But that's, that, that's the literature belonging to the, the pre-revolutionary age. So there's no such thing as revolutionary literature. Revolutionary literature will come around when there are true revolutionary men, new men and women who write as human beings to express their natural emotions, to, to talk about their life, their love, or the loss of love, their blues, their sorrows and anxieties. That's called revolutionary literature. But that's for the, that we will have to wait for the age to come. Not now. But throughout his life, Lucian remained a pioneer of literary revolutionary. You have to stay in this literary revolution to remain a radical, to remain a subversive, to remain a ruthless critic. You're in this business of negating life in order to affirm life. So this 
binary opposites, I think, gives rise to the image of Lucian, the quality of Lucian, the substance of Lucian as a revolutionary. He was never an organization man. He was never a member of any political party or organization. Uh, he actually uh, resented being, to being ordered around uh, by some visible or invisible organization or to be uh, 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 lectured on some kind of a grand theories and pro program about, you know, in the name of the future. And, you know, he, uh, so he was first and foremost a writer, but as a writer, he occupies the moral dimensions of modern China as a project of negativity, critique, self-renewal. Self so in the spirit, Lucian was highly revolutionary, but within this context of literary production. Yeah. Because that also uh, is an expression of great confidence, right? It says, as long as we, the Chinese, stay in this fight, as long as we have a chance, as living men and women fighting for our future, we will be, we are actually in the position of reinventing our traditions. We are the true inheritors of, of uh, great Chinese tradition. Himself was a point, case in point. He read all these stuff. Right, he liked right. the Ji Kang, the mm -hmm. Wei Jin style yeah. uh, writers, the, the Bohemians, subversives, critics, right, right, artists, the drunkards, and all, all kinds of uh, you know marginalized writers. But also the great heroes of Qian, of Sima Qian. I mean, he reread Confucius. He had a great respect of Confucius, not so so much for Confucian schools, right? The officialized, the, the officialdom of Confucianism as a state uh, system of indoctrination. He had no respect for that. So orthodoxy versus tradition. Tradition is good, orthodoxy is bad. So saving tradition from tradition. That's part of the new culture project. Reinvention or rereading evolution. Thank you, Professor Zhang. Thank you. Thank you for speaking with us. With that, we come to the end for today's discussion. Many thanks to Professor Zhang. I'm Xu Xinduo. Thanks for being with us. See you next time. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platforms and get ready to dive in. Hey guys, this is Gao Junya, host of Climate Watch. Hello guys, I'm your host Tian Lu with the headline news. For the year of the Chinese dragon, I would like to wish you Long Wu Jiu Tian, Hao Yun Lian Lian. May you have the power of the mighty and auspicious dragon in achieving your dreams and aspirations. I would like to wish you a journey filled with joy, success, and a soaring spirit of Long Teng Si Hai. May your path be illuminated by the dragon's courage and mighty strength. I wish you an abundance of good fortune and joy in the Chinese New Year. Hey guys, this is Tian Yu with the Beijing Hour. May your year of the Chinese dragon be blessed with health, wealth, and happiness. Cheers to a fantastic year ahead. 祝大家龙年大吉，诸事顺意。